Joe Thomas podcast. <laughs> How's it going? Firstly, how long we've been friends? Oh, you almost reached out, man. Too long. Two um, years. Like long time, like ten years or yeah, something. I think ten years, something like that. Um, so uh, you haven't changed. Uh, you haven't either. Actually, you've been. I think I have. I've got more money I now. Think, I think you're wearing a Rolex. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only thing that's changed. My left arm is slightly heavier. <laughs> I've got one, but I don't wear it just in case I get robbed in London. Yeah, that's true, actually. You're now, now you're telling everyone on the podcast that I've got one. I right. don't I don't actually wear it very often, but I thought I'm coming to a Swiss person's house. I wanted to impress him. Dude, if I'd have known, I'd have, um, I wouldn't have worn mine anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid, all that stuff. It is. I think it's so stupid. Like, why? Why, why did you buy one? one? Well, my family really... I, I genuinely don't really... I'm not really a watch guy. Same uh, at all. I don't really see the point. It, it, yeah. Like I've because being a comedian, Casio is really good because you can see how long you've been on stage. Right. Like this is absolutely useless because you're just like, oh, sorry, how long have I been on stage? I can't remember when I went on stage. <laughs> I have I have to like, do jokes <laughs> and maths at the same time. And um, so, but I, I just I saw this one as the first one I've ever liked. And um, I bought it to myself as a present for the tour. Doing well. Nice one. Yeah, I, I bought mine. Um, it was just nice. I just, I just like, wanted it. All of my friends have one. So I was like, yeah. maybe I should get one of those too. Yeah, but I just sort of keep, yeah, just keep it in a safe place. And I don't, I don't want to talk about Rolexes. Yeah, no, me neither. You wore a, it. Such a baller thing to start. You, like you wore it. <laughs> I don't have flashy things, it's basically. Just, it's just shining I'm from the sun. I'm sorry. All right, so let's ignore that. Should, to, we, should we take it off? I'm try, try, um, well, no. Are you trying to rob me? Is this <laughs> what's happening? Is this, not, is this, a, this podcast a ruse just to do steal you know my jewels? To take it off? <laughs> I do, actually. Okay. There we go. Oh, there you go. Yeah, then. it's pretty good. Um, so, dude, I've known you 10 years. Mm. You're always a comedian. Mm. Do people still think you're a comedian? Yeah, that's quite weirdly, actually. People do actually still think I'm a comic. Because um, a lot of which, people will know you as a TV host, right? Yeah, yeah. like what really changed was um, uh, when I was on I'm a Celebrity, every time you mentioned me, underneath my name, it would say comedian. Yeah. That weirdly, because that was my starting block into the sort of slightly uh, higher levels of of the showbiz world, Yeah. Um, I... Uh, that really helped me that people know that I was a comic and yeah. uh and I think the fact that I just still do it you know yeah. I still do it a lot and I I think it's really important to keep doing it yeah. because it'd be easy for me to stop doing it at this point and just yeah. be like oh it's fine I'll just do Mars Singer and do this and that and that would be fine and it would it would work but I think um it's so it's, it's such a good outlet to do comedy it's it's so frustrating sometimes when you're like developing TV shows and doing things and and they just don't come off. And whereas it's so gratifying to just go and write something that day, go to a comedy club that night, say it out your face and see yeah. whether it works or not. It's like an immediate thing that, and I don't. There's a lot of people that don't have that sort of creative out creative outlet, and it's um it really helps me mentally. I think. What was the what's the lowest paid gig you've ever done? Free. I think I was there, probably. I, I remember when you did in Camden and there was like six people. Oh, mate. Um, but it was like a tester thing. I think um, Eric Lampere was there too. Yeah. Um, so fr- no, no. I mean, fr- almost certainly the, the lowest paid gigs I've ever done are ones that I have had to pay to be there. <laughs> Travel. It, it's like those ones in the early days where you 
you you you would pay a lot of because you try and get on gigs and you're like you just need stage time yeah and there'd be times where you'd like i remember driving down to like exeter and not and being paid like 30 quid or something and you were like oh my god i'm being paid 30 quid for the gig but you don't take into account the fact you've got to drive there and you've got to pay someone petrol 50 and it's just like so you're a a massive deficit by the time you get home and if you have a shit gig then you've not learned anything and you've you come back with a (laughs) less money and less self-esteem if it didn't go well it's like soul destroying it's the worst like it's the the gig going badly is 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 some is whatever it's the drive home is always the worst really it's the drive home it's like you're running through it in your head like why didn't i do that should have done that i'm a piece of shit why am i doing this yeah yeah. why don't i do something else oh i'm just gonna work in a shop (laughs) (laughs) so what's so now looking back what's your highest paid gig i'm talking about comedy though um i don't know i don't know really uh uh, Hammersmith Apollo Isn't it, probably it yeah I, probably. I came to that one yeah yeah that was that's it's pretty the, the comedy is great in the way that um, you know it's not you're not a band so you don't you're not having to you haven't got a lot of um, sort of outgoings in terms of that thing and touring with trucks yeah. and things like that but you know I'm very lucky and that, that tour was really great because it was off the back of I'm a Celebrity I don't think I'll ever do a tour as big as that again Um uh, but I'm just, I consider myself very lucky, really. And I try to work hard to make people feel like I deserve those those things. And yeah. um, I, don't, I don't want anyone to ever think that I haven't worked for it, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I know you have because I've seen, dude, I remember I was, I was obviously spending a lot of time with Brett recently. Mm. Um, that's how we met. Yeah. Like, through Eric Lampay and yeah. playing, playing poker on Wednesdays and for like five quid. And yeah. Um, but I remember when we were talking about Bestival. And we went to festival together, didn't we? You yeah, did that, you did that did. gig like way, way back. I used to love oh. doing. Thank you. Thanks, Rosie. Um, I um, used to love doing festival for Brett. Brett, Brett Vincent. If you don't know, is uh, Brett is a friend of mine and John's, and he's a comedy promoter and agent. Lovely dude, like mm. a really solid man, like hardest worker you'll ever meet. Loyal, yeah. lovely, and uh, he used to book this festival gig, and I just remember going for the first time. And just having a really good gig. Yeah. And it was just like, I was like, oh, this is amazing. That, that was one you, of those moments. You walked into the crowd. It was like everyone sat down in the middle. And it was like a circle. And you just walked in, I think. You crowd surfed them. Probably. Like a bunch of kids. Yeah. <laughs> There's this weird sort of Rolodex in your mind when you're doing gigs like that. Where you'd like, you kind of, you go out and you start with like a bit about the festival or something like that. If they don't really go for that, then you kind of go for like your stuff. And if they don't really go for that, then you're just like, all right, I'll just go in the middle of them and crowd. So, you know, you're like kind of like, you, it's like a weird sort of Rolodex where you go like, oh, that doesn't work. Okay, yeah, what about this? What about this? What yeah. about this? And if something works, then you're like, great. Okay, cool. I'll do that for a bit. You know, it's like a sort of strategic. Do you find now that you don't have to do that because everyone knows who you are? Uh, you definitely get, a, uh, I find you get more of a grace period. Yeah. But, um, but I think if you're not good, it's worse. Yeah. Because like if a if a person who's if you if you're on the open mic circuit and someone's bad, people go people expect them to be yeah. bad. Whereas someone that you know doesn't deliver what you think they should deliver, they remember your name. They yeah. don't go home and go, "Oh, such a shit comedian." Oh my god, he was so shit last night. Yeah. They go home and they go, "Joel Dom is really shit." <laughs> 
<laughs> like specifically that I'm, man. I'm going to go on his Twitter and Instagram and tell him oh, how mate. shit he was. Yeah, weirdly, it's like, <laughs> really, I find like the gigs that you're, you don't think are, gr- are good. That I don't necessarily have like deaths anymore. Yeah. That's touch words. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there are ones in the horizon, but um, you you learn so much more from a death than you do from a, a good gig. And this yeah. is what makes it harder when you start to become more known is that uh, people might laugh more stuff, especially your audience, like on a tour show mm. and things like that. They, they, they kind of, they laugh because they're excited to be there to, to see you. And, uh, and so you don't necessarily know what stuff really, really works. Yeah. And, um, and so it's really hard. So like comics that are much better than me would, would go and sort of do bad stuff on purpose and kill the audience and like make them sort of go like, this is rubbish. And then it, they, then they just start doing their stuff. That's really good. And then they know whether it's really good or not, because oh, okay. it's come from a, again, a deficit of like of people thinking you're shit. So I don't know. I'm waffling about, waffle about comedy forever, but it's, um, it's a lot, it's an amazing business. And I think the UK has such a strong scene and it's just like that. I just think it's amazing that I can sort of put that all I've ever wanted was to be able to sort of put on a small show and people come and watch my new stuff. Yeah. Like that's all of it. I mean, you've seen me do new stuff yeah. for over the years and it's like, that's when it really makes me feel like almost like emotional when yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh, I'm so happy that I yeah. can, Talk, doing tours and stuff is great but then that that kind of feels like it's touring the excitement it's, is different isn't it the excitement's like, different being an unknown going on stage you literally have to be be perfect like mm. if, you, if you're if you if people know you like you say you've got the grace like you can sort of like 30 percent of that is like they they just like me anyway they're here because they like me mm. when you're unknown like, because I've seen you in like tons of gigs do the same comedy. Mm. I'm always there laughing my head off because my favorite joke is the one where you were pretending to be that your first gig for Sirius. Is it uh, Cyrus? Cy- yeah, yeah, Cyrus. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that bit. Yeah. And then you're stood there, and like honestly, I'm like uh, every single time, like that gets me that joke. Every it makes single me time. laugh so much that bit, dude. It's the best thing ever. So every time, like I know you've always got that one as the worst case scenario, <laughs> just bust it out at the end, and and then everyone stands up. My favorite bits of mine are the the bits where I don't have to do anything. You know, it's, like it's kind of like with you with your work, where like your <laughs> your, your favorite stuff is the bit stuff where you don't have to do anything, <laughs> and um, the I, I I my favorite joke I've ever written. And it always will be, I think, is when I give the confetti cannon button to oh, an audience dude, member. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And it's just the best bit. It's the best. It's the, like I basically have a confetti cannon on stage, and I have a button, and I give the button to an audience member. I say, "Set it off when you think it's the right time in the show." Yeah. And later on, I do this story about my friend say, and he goes, oh, "I've got prostate cancer." And then is it your mum or your nan or something? It depends. I literally change what? it because okay, it's yeah, not yeah. true. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah of course. And. Then I set the confetti cannon, like someone in the wing sets the confetti cannon off. Yeah. Everyone thinks it's that person that set the confetti <laughs> cannon off at that time. And it's just like such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful laugh. Yeah. Because it's like, it, it makes a face. huge bang. And your face. Yeah. Time, you're like, 
I'm like shot. I'm like shot. <laughs> so it, first of all, it bangs. So everyone's frightened. Everyone goes, oh, oh. And out of fright, everyone goes, oh. And then they piece it together. And like, oh, 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 that guy, that guy. And then I'm like, look, it's all falling on yeah. my head slowly. And I'm like looking like this absolute disbelief. And then all I have to do is like move my head to look at the person. Yeah. And then everyone laughs again. Yeah. And then I wait for that laugh to go down. I go, and the confetti's still confetti's falling. Confetti's still falling. <laughs> and I go, that was the wrong time. Yeah. And then the last, it's like, it's, it's like five minutes of laughter yeah. with like three words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've, ne- I've, I've just been trying to chase, trying to write a better you joke. Peaked. That. I peaked. That was your Edinburgh show, I remember, wasn't Mate. it? You did that in Edinburgh. Yeah, in 2014. So that's ages ago now. That Whoa. Yeah. Um, I remember coming to see it. Um, right, so, so my podcast obviously is about more about learning from people I know and stuff like that and trying to implement stuff into my business. My question for you is if you look at a comedian as a business plan, so say I'm an investor yeah, and I meet you 10 years ago, we're playing poker in my old, my other apartment um, like we used to um, and you go, invest in me, right? How do you sell a comedian's business plan? So if you, if you look at your last 10 years, right? You were doing gigs for 30 quid, losing yeah. money technically, yeah, right? No one in the world's going to, as a business, that's just not a business. Well, I suppose you're investing in their future. You're investing in their talent. So okay, you would be you would be you invest in them as someone to sort of help them. Um, I suppose an agent is an investor in a comedian in in a certain way. Yeah, because they are helping them get gigs and helping them and going like, I see some potential in you. Yeah, giving me business in the future. Um, I don't know how you would. I mean, you, if you if you were to look at um, like a business plan and go, right th- th- on Tuesday, bringing in thirty quid, outgoing sixty quid. <laughs> so, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, this you, is not. You'd be like, this this is the worst business plan I've ever seen. Terrible business. What, what is this? Um, so, so that's kind of when you, when you when you're a comedian, you you literally have to. How do you? So for me, it's like businesses are much more straightforward mm. right? so you look kind of like you know you have a business plan you kind of know what's going to come in blah 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 when you're when you're like a person that backs yourself <laughs> <a brand>, um, <laughs> dating skateboarding um when you're um a person backing yourself as a brand it's like it's literally completely blind isn't it there's like how, do, how you did have you do no it? idea how if it's going to work it? or not but then you have no idea that a, a, a company is going to work or not really i mean you can't yeah i mean you, my favorite saying is risk is only risk if you don't if you don't know what you're doing mm. right so the key is before you launch anything you do you research everything mm. and th- so it's like skydiving Pe- i jump out of helicopters people go oh you're mad i'm like well no because i've researched everything i've done all the training i, I know that there's like, yeah. a minimal risk right but people go oh it's crazy so it's kind of it- like comedy in a way like people go like oh, God, i could never do that oh my god i could never never do that and you're like well, I've done it a lot and I know how to do it. And yeah. it's not a risk to me. It's not scary to me. But long term, do you think I'm, this is going to work out well, I'm going to make loads of money? Or do you just do it for the love and then... I, I, I think I was kind of maybe... I feel like people really can get into it now going like, I'm doing this to make money. Yeah. But I think with comedy, it's such a, it's such a like pure thing. And it, everything is about sort of a likability or at least sort of a glint in your eye if not a likable comic then it's because you you you're kind of likable but in your unlikability yeah and um 
or shock yeah exactly and i think it's uh i've lost my train of thought but i it's basically the weirdest business plan in the world it's very strange a a comedian i remember someone once asked me to invest in him he's a poker player and i was like okay right um right like he's like yeah but i just need entry fees and then i'm gonna win loads of money and i'm like well i might as well just go gambling because I don't, I don't know if you're going to... Do you know what I mean? But in his mind, he was like sure of himself. But if he has a track record of winning, he then... Didn't, he didn't. If he didn't, then it's like... Yeah, I, I I didn't get into it. I'm sure everyone says this, but I didn't get into it for the money because I genuinely didn't know that money could be made from it. I was like... Why did you get into it? I just loved it. Just loved it. I kind of believe that if you love something, like you can eventually make money out of it. Yeah, it's true. I think if you really love it and you really have passion for it and you're, you're not stupid, I think you can eventually make it a business. But I think I just loved, I didn't care. I didn't care about money. All I cared about was the product. Yeah. And I think that's what it's probably like in your business. It's like that for me, it wasn't about like necessarily like it was obviously exciting to get on TV. And that was like a goal of mine. But if you really like, and definitely the, it was you focus on what the material is and uh, and getting better and being being better than the people that you're sort of growing up with in the comedy circuit. That's more important than getting on TV and doing other things like that. And if you're good at it, then TV will eventually come calling. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely made the mistake at times in my career. I kind of had a an interesting, and I think a lot of people kind of go through this when you're a new act. It's really exciting. And people get really excited about you as a new act when you show promise. Yeah. And so I got an agent really early and I got on a few TV shows and everyone was like, this new guy's really great. And, but if you don't back that up with being a good comic, yeah. you then fall off the wagon because, because then the people who are good go, nah, he's actually, I saw him, he's shit. Yeah. So you've got to like, you've got, it's really difficult because new acts, they you always show promise in your first twenty minutes or your first like twelve minutes or whatever yeah. because it's like all oh, your condensed best it's stuff. Your best stuff, yeah. And backing it up with another good hour and another good hour, it's like that's where it's really hard. I I didn't really my second hour was fine, but my I really remember just kind of everyone not really i had this initial promise and i got a few things and it just went a bit dead for a bit i remember i was there i think because you did yeah. a show of eric and i can't remember what it was and then you did um what's the one in america that went mad and then the four uh, of yeah you. impractical jokers impractical yeah jokers. and then that got cancelled yeah and i remember just it being like oh everything's cancelled and i haven't really got any new options yeah. and and because i wasn't that new promise anymore everyone had kind of been like they moved on to the next new guy you know yeah, yeah. And so that's when I had to really sort of take stock and go, okay, I need to get good at this again. Yeah. And I'd probably been doing it for, I'd probably been doing it for like five years at that point. Which is not long for a comedian. It's not long because it takes definitely three years to kind of figure out who you are and what you're doing. And then, um, yeah, and then when in 2014, I wrote Finding Emo and I just completely changed the way I write my shows. I went from a paid venue and went back to a free venue because I was, yeah, I went for tips instead. And I, I wrote a bigger show because I was like, I want to write a show for a bigger room. 
And instead of writing a show for a room where you know it's going to have like 12 people in it in a 30-seater room yeah. with no energy in it, I was like, I'm going to sw- switch it around, take my ego out of the situation and write, do a free show and um, pack the room and write write a like sort of a a rock show that's why i wanted it to feel i wanted to feel like a sort of energetic show with a big ending i remember the start behind the silhouette that was the next show actually was that the next yeah 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 because you busted through it busted i basically had like the sort of sugar paper (laughs) thing over a door with a lamp behind it so good eating a banana and stuff while the audience were coming in so stupid mate i've seen i don't know how many shows of yours i've seen like even the same one over and over is it because because I, I mean, we also went to Altitude Festival, another mm. event that's put on by Brett, and we we used to share a room, didn't we? Because yeah. Brett Brett would give you a free room, and I was friends. And we you know we'd go over and we'll go snowboarding and stuff. Um, but yeah, like looking back, the amount of gigs that we we've been to, like yeah. Dude, also, here's another story: is that um, about three weeks before you went on, I'm a celebrity. You, we went to Ibiza, yeah. And we stayed in my old villa for like a week, and I was like. In the morning, you were going to CrossFit at like eight in the morning every day. And, and I was like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Like, he's changed, this guy. I had no idea that in a few weeks' time, you're going to Australia to be on I'm a Celebrity. So yeah. no wonder you wanted to get ripped. Yeah. yeah look, at, I mean, You looked ripped at the time. And and so you, like three weeks before, th- this is when you were like still doing normal comedy, la, 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 you know, done some stuff. And then, um, and that's when I was like, I, I, was, I looked at your back and I was like, what the hell? I was like, is he is he injecting something or whatever? I was like, no, he's just doing CrossFit. That's what uh, that's when I was like, I'm d- gonna do CrossFit. And then like three weeks later, you went on I'm a celebrity, and I saw you on there, and I was like, what? I was like, how? And actually, because a couple of years before, I was traveling in Australia, and I stopped off, and you were doing the behind the scenes show, yeah. And I stopped at the I'm a celebrity thing, hung out of you and the people at the pool and stuff for like a, a, a day, I think. Yeah, carry on traveling. And um, so you always kind of linked in there a little bit. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. And I remember when you came out, um, you messaged me and it was like the Saturday after we went for, um, we went for lunch in Shoreditch and went to Blue's Kitchen. And I, gu- I guess you've been out for like a half I remember, a week. yeah. You're yeah. basically the first person I hung out with after the jungle. Yeah. And, and literally, I think three people in there asked you for a photo. And I was like, holy shit. Like, this is different. Like, Weirdly, that was the first time that I knew it was different. Really? Because that's a massive show and you're obviously, yeah. you're in a bubble. If you're straight after it, yeah. it's fresh. a big bubble. It's fresh out. Yeah. Um, and again, it's that thing of like, it's the same as the comedy circuit. You're like, coming out of the jungle is like, this is kind of why I felt like I dealt with it quite well. Yeah. Because it's kind of like being new on the comedy circuit again. It's just yeah. you're starting in a new new bubble. Realm, yeah. New, so yeah. it's like, you come out and it's fresh and everyone's really excited about you. Yeah. And, it's, and I knew that that was going to fade. And then you've got to make sure you back it up Yeah. with, and what's, what's good about that show is that I knew I had a vocation. I had something yeah. that I'd been doing for the last eight, nine yeah, years. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I had a thing to sell, you know? Yeah, so yeah. a lot of people come out of that and then just like hope that they get a presenting job yeah. or hope that they get a book deal or yeah. a DVD, a fitness yeah. DVD or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like I came out of it like knowing that I'm, I'm going to put a tour on sale yeah. and yeah. do that. And, I, remember um, to, I remember talking to you about that because because mm. that's the thing going in there not having something to come out with is like not a good business plan or not a good because mm. you could be sort of forgotten about but you had your show lined up you and then but that, that I remember when the people were asking for photo because we were sat like this at the table and then but I could see these people like going like this and I was like 
finally he's made it <laughs> I, was like, I was like his show's been so good i've been i've been going we've been hanging out for so many years going all these places and i'm like he's done it like he's absolutely done it and and the other thing was is that when we were, we went around the corner and then went somewhere else and can you remember that guy that shouted out he went joel and you went and he went get your dick out great and and i was like oh no oh, like no. and you were like oh fuck it. like uh, and then at christmas we went christmas shopping yeah and there was that can you remember that little that, he was about eight years old this kid can you remember and no. he went um hey jo- it's joel right and you're like yeah yeah he goes oh my sister wants a photo um she's in there you haven't got to do anything have you can you just wait here and you were like oh yeah that's can you remember worst. that kid when people just go like go and then he's like, like you haven't got to be anywhere have you and then lower, you're like you're like wait the, when people come over and they go oh my god my my sister really wants a photo or something like that and i'm like okay cool yeah and then like oh can you come over to to to, uh, to her? and i'm like no well no she well, she want I, I'm, I'm not being a dick here like some but if she does want a photo then she'll come over like because i i, I don't want to be that dick to go over to her and be like hey i hear you want a photo because <laughs> i now look like an idiot going like hey yeah, yeah. I was, i'm gonna see if i remember this story it was a latitude festival once and um <laughs> yeah my friend <laughs> my friend thought it'd be really funny we were just in this group we were a bit drunk and uh and a few people asked for photos and stuff i'd been on st- on the main comedy stage which is like one of the biggest gigs of the year and so um so you know people then see you and stuff and so a few people asked me for photos and um and then uh, we were stood in our, in our little group and then um, there was this lady stood behind me and my, my friend went, oh, I think there's a lady behind you wants a photo. And I went, oh, cool. And so I turned around and then just like, oh, would you like a photo of me? And she went, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then we took a photo. <laughs> Turns out she didn't want a photo of me. My friend just thought it would be absolutely hilarious to go, <laughs> I think I will want to photo with you. And so basically just looked like this, <laughs> like, Guy just go, 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 desperate. This guy off TV just going around the festival, be like, "You want a photo with me, right?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Let's, come on in, come on in. Show this to your your in laws. Oh god. But it's um, bless her, bless her. But it's yeah, it's very um, yeah. So I remember that being the first time we coming out of the jungle and meeting up with you and him being like really different. But, it was. It was. Um, but uh, like I say, it's about backing it up, and it's nice now that people don't it's nice that people go like oh joel i, I really love your comedy uh, or yeah. i've um read your book or love you on mars singer stuff like that yeah people still go loved you in the jungle which is great yeah but it's nice that there's other things to, to there's sort of, more to it there's more to yeah. it now which is great um but it's a it's a wonderful springboard um weirdly i was yesterday speaking to uh, uh a commissioner at itv we had this sort of zoom call thing and we were talking about how in 2012, I had a screen test to be on the extra show of I'm a Celebrity. Right. And I, it was uh, out of, basically they had like a stand-up slot on it. So you'd go out to yeah. Australia and at the end, so uh, Russell Kane had did it and Russell Kane was stopping doing it. So it was the new Russell Kane on that show. So I was quite new at this point. I remember this. Do you remember? Because the guy, the Von guy got it, right? Yeah, Rob Beckett yeah, got it. Yeah, and you were like, damn that guy. <laughs> yeah. So it was me, Rob Beckett and Joe Lysett. Yeah. Uh, with the, those are the three that we And we were and really they, new at that point. Good three. Like, what an amazing yeah. bunch, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's incredible. And um, and then I was down to the last two. I heard that I was down to the last two. And then Rob Beckett got it. 
And I remember at the time being so frustrated. I was yeah. just like, fuck, this was my chance, yeah. my time. Yeah. And, um, but what it really taught me is that like, nothing happens too late in this business. Yeah. Like it's like, you because you just get better at it. Yeah. You get better at it you, in, you, you give less of a shit in higher stakes situations. So yeah. you just, um, and so I didn't get that, but they brought me out to be a guest on the show. And that's where I saw you in Australia. Was that 2012? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Did that show as a guest on it. Yeah. And then three years later, I was in the jungle four Boom. years later as a proper thing and actually really helped being... Has it been five years? It's almost, yeah. But I was in 2016 was that. Okay, yeah. so four years. Four years. And then I, um, I, when I was in the jungle for realsies, I really helped being on the extra show beforehand because I knew sort of all the this setup. new where yeah, the yeah. setup of it because they like disorientate you and sort of walk you in to the jungle it takes like an hour or so to walk into there when yeah. in reality there's a there's a road yeah yeah, yeah. and i like knew <laughs> that in my mind it really helped um <laughs> you just want you just can drive right in yeah no it's a good time um so outside outside of comedy um we uh obviously mobile is my event my first ever company yeah um you've done mobile twice in my car i have yeah uh, before mobile were you, you into cars? first for cars really mate you've cost me so much money <laughs> you've cost me so much money <laughs> and also what i like is that you sort of gave me a thirst for cars and then didn't help me you didn't <laughs> you gave me that you've get, you it's like you gave me my first heroin needle and then just like left me in the street <laughs> It's like, at no point were you like, Joel, look, I'll give you some help on this. Here's how not to lose fucking loads of money. <laughs> Dude, you're asking the wrong guy. I've lost so much money on cars. I'm like, I'm like, because I love cars and I love just make decisions and be like, and by one side, I thought was like, again, it's, I really, I'm not, I, don't, I don't want to come across on this podcast like I'm someone who's sort of um has lots of expensive things i'm really not that guy yeah, yeah. I'm but same. i just really like i also think it's really important to have something that you have to be able to afford yeah and i it's really important for me and for me i've used cars i definitely over the last sort of five years six years i um i got an f-type and I, I that remember. which i loved yeah. and i just really wanted that car like, i thought it was beautiful yeah and I got that. And an Audi before that. And you? before that, which is an Audi A1. But like, smashing around. Just yeah. like bashing it off curbs. <laughs> and then... Well, um, like, my, like my Aston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. here's one. I did hit, I hit you. Here's I, I, one. I curbed your Aston Martin, all right? Yeah, you didn't tell me. That was the thing. Like, it was like two weeks later. I was like, why are my wheels scratched? It was driving back through France, wasn't through it? France, so and fast. I was in an R8 and you're in my old Aston. Yeah. And through the toll, you yeah. basically drove through the toll i drove through, through the toll, <laughs> through the toll. That, that toll still has its mark on it from Dude, me and you did it the thing was is that i i was like why am i wheel? like it's weeks later i was like why are my wheels are scratched i didn't like i was like joel did we like scratch and you were like i'm so sorry i'm, I'm so, so sorry like, i mean that's pretty i mean to be fair driving 16 hours back from barcelona and that's the only <laughs> fucking scratch on the car that's not bad <laughs> that's not bad i didn't mind to be fair that's, i mean there were some hairy moments on that. Just because I was trying to keep up with you guys. Because you're all like cool drivers who do it I'll all the time. I'm like, I don't know how to... I'm, I'm swapping from my Audi A1. I remember <laughs> like there was a moment... Still, I remember the embarrassment. When I was driving, we would do stints where I would drive and then you would drive. 
I'd never driven any cars like this before in my life. And uh, and the Aston Martin was there was something quite confusing about it because you had because I didn't really understand there was like buttons, buttons <laughs> and sport mode and like launch control. It was, it was all going off. Yeah, I didn't understand it, and um, I would just drive it, you know, mm. and then. People would often on the mod ball sort of drive up beside you and go like, oh, yeah, you beat their horn. Like, let's go, let's go, let's race. You know, and you'd be like, oh. And then I was driving. Okay. I was like, oh, I'm not, <laughs> this John is not going to go well. And they'd go, three, two, one. And it'd just be like, Bleh. that person would just go, Bleh. and I was like, <laughs> be like in fifth gear or something. That's a lie. You were, ra- you were ragging it. Oh, no. It so, it you, you, can, you can, you can, as you're, as you're flooring it, you can sort of, you can start seeing the pounds like just a bit disappear from your bank account in the next oh six months. God. Although now I've got a car that I genuinely love. What have you got? A uh, 911 GTS. It's nice. And it's just like, I just love it. I but, got it with the right mileage on it and it's not, I fucking love it. And it's there and it's beautiful. <laughs> it suits me. I know you hate Porsche people. No, no. I, I actually love 911s. Really? I've got a book. You've got a 911 book. Yeah. yeah. I, I just never, I've never owned one. I should just get a book instead of buying the cars. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, I, you know, so much more um, cost-effective. <laughs> actually, um, you drove my like, my Lexus, can't you? Cause actually, you had a Mercedes in between. I had the AMG. Yeah, AMG, that's a nice car. It was nice. It was just fucking stupid. Really? It's too stupid for me. What, too, like too fast or just, too just l- yeah, too fast, too loud, too showy. It's Not- like I want one. I had to sort of figure that out. I think because I had to go from. I went from an Audi A1 to the other extreme of uh, AMG GT, GTC. It was convertible yeah, as well, nice, fuck's yeah. sake. Yeah. And then I just needed a middle ground between those Nine, two things. A, a 911 is a good car. <laughs> it's beautiful. But, and the GTS is so nice it, as well. The only thing with it, though, is that like owning like a nice car is nice, but to become like a bit wankery, mm. is that a term? Wankery? Wankery? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's when you get a private plate, right? Okay, and I know. <laughs> yeah. We both have them. Yeah. Right? But I don't know why. I don't know why. Because I don't know. You just sort of want to kind of, it's like you want to customize it to yourself. Well, but people yours, get yours is your band, isn't it? Your yeah. Friend. So people get private plates, don't they? Because they don't want people to know how old the car is. That's like a thing. Yeah. Well, some do it from new anyway. But. But like, if I mean, yeah. so, and my car, I think it's kind of one where you're like, I don't really know how old that is. That could be new. Yeah. That could be, you know. And so, I, um, I thought, oh, I'll change the plate, but I never really thought too much about it. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't, I've never had a private plate in my life. Because some people hate people with private plates. Absolutely. Like they spit at them. I like, think I do. I think I do hate them. <laughs> I think I hate myself. I really, I hate myself. Sometimes I spit on myself. <laughs> I think that's called drooling. Um. <laughs> And I... Uh, in the mirror. Oh, yeah. Just drooling <laughs> while I look at it. And so I I don't want to get my name on the private plate. I kind of, you know, because obviously that's just like... A, I don't... Just, yeah, it's, it, there's, it's like there's a, a fine line. line. It's so difficult with sports cars because part of you, it, the reason you've got it is because you want people to look at you. But no, also no, I, being I, I in a sports car and being like, I don't want people to look at it is a bit of a stupid thing to say. Do you know what? I, I haven't got a supercar f- for that reason. I, I love them because they're like fast mm. and they're fun and like a Lamborghini is an experience every time you're in it like it's it's just insane you've driven mine yeah it, it's like you it's, get out it's scary it's, it's fucking petrifying yeah like so, when we driving in the snow as well was it snowy and I like drove your Lamborghini uh, and I was just like what I feel like I'm in a Bond film I, I, it was no no I think you was just driving it really fast <laughs> it's probably 
it just is it like it was sunny. It's the, it was sunny. Maybe it was a Sunday or snow. <laughs> Something bigger with us. And so I, I just remember it being petrified. It's like yeah, so petrifying. Yeah, it's like a fighter jet where I'm just like, I haven't done any of the training for this. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's mad to think you can get a license and just buy one. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, what I find what, with me with supercars, my first car it was that Aston Martin Vantage that you um, had an incident with the wheels. Um, <laughs> you really didn't never got over that, did you? <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just funny. It's yeah. just funny. Yeah. Um, but uh, so that but that for me that was like a that was a milestone in my career, mm. right? So I bought that and I was like, I've earned that. I've worked my ass off to get this, and I was like. It wasn't about being flashy or anything like that. I was like, I have a Aston Martin parked on my drive. When I was a kid, you know, watching James Bond films and stuff like that, mm. I was like, this is what I've worked towards. Right? Yeah. So, so some people, you know, they look at cars and all that kind of stuff. It's a little bit less now. It, like back in the nineties, you know, early two thousands, it was like if you had a supercar, it's like you had a small penis. Yeah. Uh, that that isn't. Although there was a mobbler with that sticker on his car, <laughs> he had a Ferrari, and he, he says, "Does my penis look bigger in this car?" <laughs> so <we're> like, <laughs> anyway, so, but for me, it's more of a milestone. Yeah. So, it, so it's like it's a bit like a watch, right? It's like ten years ago, us would have been our flashy, you know, idiot, love yeah. love Rolex and stuff. But it's more of a like I've worked my ass off. This is a milestone. As a guy, it's a guy, I think it's a guy thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's um, something you said to me, actually, that's one of the best things about having a car like that. Um, and I don't really get in the car I've got now, but kids love it. Mm. And that's like one of the coolest things is driving past a kid where they're just like, whoa, <laughs> I'd say genuinely out of all of it, like some people might do it to impress women. No, like it's not. I know it's, it's. I mean, it sounds sounds dodgy, but I do it to impress kids. <laughs> <laughs> not in a sexy way, but I just do it because I when I drive past the kid and they're like, "Whoa, yeah, that's the coolest thing ever." You're like, "Yeah, yeah. that was me." Like when I was a kid. That's yeah, did I remember? I got my my first house of mine, and I was driving around the New Forest, and I saw these two kids. They were probably like two lads. They're probably about seven or eight, and. Aston, they sound really good. And as I drove past, he saw it and he just started dry humping the air. Like that. Amazing. Started humping the air. And I was like, what the? Amazing. It was like, I was like, that is the weirdest reaction. Literally. Just, how do they do it? How do these brands, the marketing, all the stuff? It's so clever, isn't it? And it's when you realize that. That it's all just a a game. (laughs) It's all so silly because even with my. AMG, you know, I bought that and I was like, whoa. And then above it was the GTR. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to get that's too silly. Mm. And then it's like people got the GTR and then the GTR Pro came out and then the GTR Black Series. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and there's yeah, so yeah. many different models that you're like, used to be the top dog and now you're in the middle of the field. Yep. And it's like, now it's not worth any money anymore. And you're like, well, it's, that's mental. How you're talking about things that you invest in. Cars is not a, because then they, they don't tell you and then they release a new one. And then it's worth nothing. Yeah. So silly. It's true. Like, literally, cars are the worst investment. It's, unless it's a Porsche. And then it's all right. Really? You said, like you said with the Porsche, um, kids don't do that anymore. No. No. Because it's kind of like, I think this is the difference with Porsches. I hate that this has become very car-centric and I'm quite, quite enjoying it. What a chat. So, the 911. Yes. So, it doesn't, kids don't. Kids don't, don't like, hump the air anymore. They, kids don't hump the air anymore. Oh. No, more like middle-aged dads hump the air. Really? No. 
That's that's the way. That's what Porsche owners do. Porsche Porsches are for other Porsche owners, yeah. basically, aren't they? Like because other Porsche owners are like, oh, sport, that's a that's a, a sport back when they Is that what you sound like in your car? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was never a Porsche person at all. Basically, until I got my Porsche, and now I'm like, I'm in deep. I okay. love it. No, no. Okay, if you could choose any car to do the mobile in, any car to do mobile in. What would you do it in? So the mod balling is kind of a weirdly a different thing, I think. And it's going it's like... to the Monaco Formula One next year, just so you know. That's so Always last minute, isn't it? Kind of, it is always last minute. Um, would be fun. Yeah. Give it to me for free. Well, you'd go in my car anyway. Mm, I'd do it with my wife. <laughs> really? Otherwise, it's just this. Oh, I love her. Absolutely love her. But it's a bit of a lad's toy, isn't it? It is a bit of a lad's toy. And that's the problem is that now I've got a wife and I just like really love her. Yeah, and it would. Well, you it, can't. You can't. I can still. I can totally go, <laughs> go and have fun, but also it would. It would. Um, it it would it would make her worry, and I wouldn't put her in that situation. Worry about what you crashing my car into. A Just like it would. <laughs> you would assume when that mod ball happens that you're partying and there's girls and there's a. And it's not actually like that, but right. I wouldn't want to put my wife in a situation where she would think that that's happening. Okay, so what we can do is put her in a car with one of her friends. It's a good idea. Yeah, and then we can they can come and we'll do it in a car as well. Deal. Okay, so say that happened and they've got a car. Yeah. What car would we do it in? Oh, uh, that's such a good question. I to, honestly, I'm not even being a dick about it. Don't I say would, 911. I would genuinely love to do it in my car to drive it properly yeah um but i wouldn't pick my car i would pick because you also want comfort because you're driving a long way you've got to get across fucking france man but france is boring as shit (laughs) (laughs) you gotta take that into account France is boring as shit yeah but if you're in a really good car every every journey is an absolute dream i yeah it's got, I think... And I really don't know. I've always wanted to do it in a Lamborghini Aventador. Mm-hmm. But then the SV Roadster, um, I don't know if you, if you remember the guy, Hulkador, a guy called Kevin. Um, he's always had mad cars. He, he had an SV Roadster and it was just the most insane thing coming past you. Just to do it in that, I think is like the old one. So, my thing is like, I would love to be a passenger in that car doing Marvel. Would <laughs> I I genuinely I'm not even being a dick about this. I fucking love being a passenger in incredible cars. Yeah, I love it. Um, I re driving them does scare me because yeah. it's so much money. Yeah, it's not even. It's like it's so precious. Yeah, like if you crash that, if you bump it, if you like just dent the wheel. Yeah, I've done that. It's fucking mad. It's mad amounts of money, and it's that so precious. And so I just like love being in the passenger seat. Yeah. Driving I when we went to Modball when you when we um went to that racetrack and just being in the passenger seat driving around that racetrack, I'm totally fine with that because I'm not gonna <laughs> Most people would not be cool in the passenger seat because they'll be like not in control. Oh, love it. You love it. I absolutely love not being in control. <laughs> that's why you're a comedian (laughs) absolutely love it i I love it because well maybe i just have trust in strangers that's my yeah my problem but yeah uh i yeah maybe like something fucking like a laferrari or something like something like that though you're like 
oh my god this is the yeah. best car like the most if you would never put the, the I, mileage on i it. wonder if people know that you're into cars i don't, I don't I think don't they really think people do no mob ballers do because obviously you know a lot of mob yeah ballers. but that's what's beautiful about youtube and podcasts and things like that yeah you can actually be quite niche and appeal to a certain market whereas like me joel domit who's on itv i have to appeal as many people as possible yeah by being just like funny yeah and that's fine but as if good, lo good looking helps good looking helps but that is fading fast my friend <laughs> and having muscles helps that does not help <laughs> at all just makes it harder to fit the suits <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though dude i remember when we trained with kamal that one time oh yeah and you, i remember you messaged me going i had to get a taxi oh, home because i couldn't walk so that, that was my first leg session of my life really genuinely so i'd be i've been going to the gym before and you have a friend who's a personal trainer this yeah. is years ago yeah it was a long time and then we, we were like let's go to the gym together and i was like cool 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 and then we did like a leg session like proper leg session like old bodybuilding style, all of the stuff. Yeah. And then the next day, so basically, so went to the gym that day, day off, felt a bit sore. The next day we went go-karting. <laughs> we went go-karting. <laughs> and I was felt a bit sore that day and it was getting a little bit worse. I was like, oh, God, my legs really feel, I couldn't really find a bit of a problem. I was like, ah. Uh, and then it was like an hour and a half drive or something to get to this this um, go-kart track. We got there and I, was, I got out of the car. And it was because I was sat down for so long. I got out of the car and I was like, this is bad. I, like, I'm finding it quite difficult to walk now. Yeah. But I was like, it's, okay. it's going to be all right. Yeah. Went go-karting for like two hours, <laughs> sat on like this tiny seat, this hot, <laughs> so, like, rock hard. Rock hard. <laughs> Did that, could not get out of the go-kart afterwards really struggled to get out of the go-kart then i was like poof, but made it got out got in the car went home i could not get out of my car genuinely and I'm, it sounds like a joke it took me an hour and a half to get in my house seriously i couldn't get in my house <laughs> i was like anyone watching it would have i would have been fucking hilarious just seeing me park up right outside my house right yeah. outside my house yeah. it took me an hour and a half to get in my house because yeah. every step was so painful Opened the door and I was just like, every step, I was like, ah, I just, I knew I had paracetamol in my house. I was like, I just need to get to that fucking paracetamol. No way. And it took me an hour and a half and I was in so much pain. I took paracetamol and I was like, Ugh. And then I see you two years later after CrossFit and I was like, this guy is not like the fittest guy. <laughs> I was like, what the hell happened? He couldn't walk home before. But yeah, so that, that started me off. It started Mad. me off. Um, so I think I want to ask you, how many Netflix have you done now? Uh, what watched or been on? Been on. <laughs> um, watched a lot. Um, Completed it, mate. Um, not much. John Lynch First of the World was on Netflix, but then I did a half-hour special on Netflix. Yeah. Which was um, part of this thing called Comedians of the World. So they had sort of a few comedians from each country yeah. that was like doing a, yeah. a special. So we filmed that in Montreal. And so that was really great. Uh, I'm, I'm genuinely proud of that. I think it's really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it really on Netflix. Uh, so you did a half an hour thing yeah and that was part of another show because <clears throat> I was chatting to Daniel Sloss mm. like last week and uh, he's done two but he so he filmed his originally himself yeah so and then he then he sold it to them I did that with my my ITV special for Netflix you filmed uh, sorry for ITV you... it was basically an interesting time 
in UK comedy where they were start Netflix was starting to put UK acts on their platform. Yeah, which is really exciting because um, Daniel was one of them. James Acaster was the sort of the main one. It did so well uh, for not just for him but for UK comedy. I think it was really important. Mm-hmm. And so there was a time when I did my nine half hour special. They were just hoovering up specials. They were just loving it. And there's so many comedy specials on there. And I think that was kind of the straw that broke, broke the camel's back, I think, in terms of comedy special, because they suddenly just made essentially 100 comedy specials yeah. in one go. And everyone yeah. was like, we don't want that much comedy. Chill yeah. out. Yeah. Um, and so now they've kind of chilled out a bit. Um, but I decided to do what Daniel did, and I made, I made my... I did a tour and the thing the problem is at the end of the tour you've done you know I performed that tour like 150 times yeah and I was super proud of it and you just want to want to sort of document it really yeah and so I um yeah I recorded it and it's really hard and very expensive but it's worth it I think and I've I probably I probably will didn't quite make and then itv bought it netflix passed on it because by that point they were like we're not really taking specials now yeah and um basically they were taken from essentially five people and i'm definitely not in the top five comments in the uk for sure and i fully get that and uh so it's uh so it's fine and i i I knew someone would buy it whether it was comedy central um channel four or whoever and um itv2 bought it which is really exciting because They've never had a comedy special on their channel before. And I was the first comic to have a special on their channel. And um, and it did it did well and it was fine. And I was really happy with it. I'm, I'm really happy that it's on ITV because ITV is, is my sort of home channel. And it, they, they are so much part of my career. And yeah. they are like, they really look after me and they're brilliant. And um, if I can make that channel just slightly sort of, turn it slightly more into more of a comedy savvy, savvy channel then yeah. i'd ha- love to be a part of that you know if you were <clears throat> if you were talking to like a young comedian now or a young comedian listening to this what advice would you give them that you didn't have when you were younger um don't get an amg <laughs> <laughs> uh, i could have told you that you told you that. why didn't you tell that to me then john D- didn't mercedes give you like a freebie or something uh, Deal. Say, this is probably they say things that like they say it's an amazing discount but no discount is better than depreciation yeah well, yeah i mean yeah <laughs> that is what that is what the kids need to know that is that's they need to have signs on dealership windows that say no di- just remember guys no no deal is better than depreciation yeah it doesn't matter what we're gonna throw in a fucking bottle opener <laughs> umbrella throw in an umbrella all you want that shit is not gonna bring your money back but it's fun though it is fun um no no but okay so apart from cars um i i advice to young i I, i'd say like i said before it's just really concentrate on on the things that you have power over like concentrate on comedy i think People that want to be famous, uh, people want to be on television. It's such a sort of like, it's not, people don't realize that it's about the work that you put into it. It's not, you don't just deserve to be there. Yeah. It's like, you've got to have a craft and a 
and hard work people see hard work like yeah. <laughs> and um you will always fall back on that work that you've done because if you're a if you're a comic just be a just do comedy just be good at comedy and then other things will come and i'm not saying i'm the best comic in the world i really don't think i am at all um but i know what works for me yeah. and my audience and I try and push the envelope a little bit in terms of what I do and try and do different things and um, try and keep it exciting for me. I always get, we, we've got an amazing thing in this country. Edinburgh Festival is the best, the most amazing, incredible place. Yeah, it's amazing. Where we can go every year and just have a blank space where people will listen to me for an hour. And it doesn't matter whether there's six people there, 60 people or 600 people. They will sit there for an hour. Maybe they'll walk away, but you've got them there. Yeah. And it's like a blank canvas for an artist where you can do whatever you want and so much more. You can get away so much more there than you can the rest of the the, the year in like clubs and stuff like that. Because you've not got drunk people who are like there on a Saturday night expecting you to be Michael McIntyre. It's like you're there and they're at an arts festival where you can just like do some really interesting shit mm. which you would definitely not be able to do like confetti candle is a perfect example of that yeah. like, joke like that which i obviously can't do that on a saturday night at a comedy store can you you know uh, well i just kind of adapted it to have you done that on do tv that. yeah that is a, yeah yeah that is a, yeah it was good and that's the thing is if you don't do the grind you'd have never come up with that so say you stopped after three years that mm. joke would never have um appeared if, if you're not doing edinburgh then I would have never have done that joke because yeah. that's because I can get away with that in Edinburgh and it just makes you come up with new stuff. It's yeah. So it's such an amazing opportunity. It's like pushes our comedy scenes forward at a rate that no other country does, I think, because America is different and I don't really know the ins and outs of the comedy scene there, but it's um, it seems to me that they really focus on different things to us. Whereas we're just like churning out hours to try and go up to Edinburgh. When Louis C.K. started doing hours, a new hour every year, and everyone was like, why does an hour every year? And we're all like, yeah, we've been doing that for like 15 years. Yeah. Some do more than an hour a year. Yeah. Um, and uh, it just helps everything else. Just do what do what you started out doing. What Keep doing what got you there in the first place. That's good advice. Okay. I think. Do you know what I mean? No. I think that's really good advice. Like, so, so like for me, comedy got me here. Yeah. So don't stop doing comedy just because I'm here. You also, I remember years back you went, um, I want to be like the English Dane Cook. Oh my God. That's a, it's a dated reference now, isn't it? Well, he was good back then. Yeah. I mean, like, he was great. And huge. Absolutely huge. So it's yeah. really interesting because he like, he's, um, he was so big. He was what got me into comedy. Yeah. Like when we're doing comedy without him. Yeah. It's amazing. Having, having like a reference point or someone to like aspire to be like is mm. important as well. So important. And I that's think. genuinely what's difficult for me. It's not difficult in any way, shape, form. But what's interesting now is um, I had to sort of rejig my goals in a weird way. Yeah. Because I had had I'd achieved things that I never thought that I would ever achieve in my life. Same. Doing the house I never thought bother. you would. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I would. It's just so mad. Like, as soon as I did the Hammersmith Apollo, I was like, what, oh, what do I need to do now? I remember you saying, you're like, this is it. Like, I'm peaking. Like, um, you can do O2. 
Yeah. That'd be cool. That's a bit big, man. Cool. Like, yeah. That's like... I like to pretend that I'm one of those cool guys that doesn't do the O2 because it's too big. It's too big. It's not good for comedy. <laughs> I would absolutely do it, but I would only say one twentieth of it. I'd be there. I'd be there. It's um, yeah. I don't. I don't. So know. so, what's next for Joel Dommett? What is next for Joel Dommett? It's, next five years. What's great is I've now got Mars Singer. Um, it's amazing that ITV have given me this incredible show that I can host and I love it and I think I did a good job and people seem to like it it was great and so it just feels like I since I've had that job I've really chilled out because it feels like I'm cool I really love it and it's gonna be a really great show I think for at least the next four years or something like that is it, is it got like that many years in it they said. I, I think so. so they said, yeah. but it's not contractually, not fine, like fine. Okay, officially. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I think um, you know the time of other shows is sort of slightly coming to an end now, and it feels like that's like the exciting new Saturday night format yeah. that people really latch onto and look forward to. Yeah, and um, it's become so big in the states; it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, in the states, they're like churning them out like nobody's business. It's yeah. mad. And uh, so you've got the next year. So do that. I film that. So I film Hey Tracy yeah. in next week. So that's the second series of that. And then September, I film Mars Singer. How much they pay you for Mars Singer? Oh, God. <laughs> Imagine if I answered that question. Um, actually, it's really interesting because because of the pandemic and everything, everyone's taken a pay cut basically yeah, yeah. last year, which yeah. is which is basically unheard of really to go back in the second series and yeah. and it's like so know, how much they pay you. <laughs> Absolutely, right. 150%. But it's also... I'm only kidding. The mad thing is that, like, for me... Most job, most presenters' jobs, though, it, it's in the newspapers anyway. How much they are? On the BBC, it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like... Um, but but my my place on that show is I I'm definitely getting paid less than everyone else on that show. Is it more is it more than thirty quid that you used to get an Exeter? It's like, well, basically, yeah, they pay me thirty quid, but it does cost me fifty quid to get. <laughs> And you've so, got to buy your own suits. Yeah. I yeah. remember you wore one of the suits at your Christmas party at your I'm house. Christmas party. I'm the really getting one. my use out of those things. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. And again, I, so how much do you get paid? I really don't, I don't, it doesn't matter. Does it cover your depreciation on all your cars? It was. <laughs> and your Rolex. <laughs> oh my, I stopped talking about it. I should also point out, this is the cheapest Rolex you could get. Let me see. It's the cheapest one. It's the one right at the bottom of the tree. I don't want an expensive one. Okay. It's like, the one, it's one of the cheap ones. What is it? It's like real plain. You okay. wouldn't even know that it's a Rolex, really. Is it real? I mean, that's the fucking point. It doesn't... You wouldn't know. <laughs> that's what annoys me about watches. It's so stupid. What's the point? Just buy a fake one. I, I use my phone for time anyway. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you got a nine eleven, you kind of have to have a, a Rolex, isn't it? Is that what? Is that the rules? Oh, I don't want to come, come across like a dickhead. <laughs> That's, oh god. I'm across like a dickhead, but um, you're not. Everyone knows that. Well, I feel like I've really come across as a dickhead on this podcast. <laughs> this. I feel like I'm only a dickhead when I'm around you, John. I bring out the best in you. Uh, you bring out the absolute <laughs> worst in me. You bring Probably out the, the same. absolute worst in me. I'm, so, I'm not. I, I don't, I'm, I'm Do you a know, nice guy. It's the same. I'm, it's I'm a... super nice the rest of the time. I'm lovely. I'm sort of <laughs> modest. 
Um, hey, just so everyone knows, you buy your cars and your watches when I'm not around. I that, know. That I is... do it to fucking impress you, John. <laughs> no, you That's the only bloody reason I do it. Dude, you, you bring out the worst of me. When we go snowboarding, well, I have normally no intention of going off-piste, but since I'm with you, I'm like back of a mountain, <laughs> peeing up a mountain to, to, to figure out which direction the wind's going. Yeah. Like, that sounds like me. That's, 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 you know, I, I take you out into the wild. Take that's you what, off piste. That's what friends are for, mate. Hey, I've set you off piste. Well, that's good. And you, um. I'm you, waiting for a punchline. Yeah. Off. Is it? Off piste. I pieced myself. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. On that note. Mm thanks for coming mate i know you've got a drive your porsche around everywhere yeah I've got to show it off as much but this this is the fucking thing as well when you've got a nice car you've got to clean it hold on wait what you say i bring out the worst in you because of you have I, done? I now own two fucking crossfit gyms that's true that, that are shut that are shut right now <laughs> Fuck That's you true. and your Tip depreciation. The amount of money I put it. Now I also in a fitness equipment company because you got me into CrossFit. Yeah, that's true, actually. You've, that's and you've, true. you've trained at my places. I knew this pandemic was coming. And so I got you into CrossFit just before. Just to, So I invested in two CrossFit gyms and that's then they right. just completely shut. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you started the CrossFit, I did a sneaky little trip over to China. <laughs> I found a bat. <laughs> Grabbed a bat. Grabbed a bat. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's true. If people don't know, the reason I got into CrossFit is because of you. And then I got obsessed with it. It's which so is great. Basically because of you. Again, I could talk about cars, I could talk about CrossFit all day. Yeah. Absolutely. We're into the same exact same stuff, pretty much. Yeah. Snowboarding work kind of stuff. Um but yeah, so and now we now I literally own two CrossFit gyms and a fitness equipment company. It's so great. So because of you, the amount of money I've invested in those and I haven't really got any money back yet is you, you will uh, eventually, eventually eventually but yeah hey you can't put a price on health what's that got to do really? right. <laughs> because it's making you fitter person and a healthier person actually dainton did his first crossfit session what? a couple of weeks ago how yep. was it four days to get back to normal mate yeah you about an hour and a half to get in your house we were filming. We, we, we were filming in there. Yeah, literally. We were filming in the the other day, and he went on the assault bike for thirty seconds, and then he just couldn't film after that for like twenty minutes. He was like, "I quit sugar." He blames sugar. Oh my god! No, the assault oh bike mate. killer. It's yeah, killer, man. I'm very lucky. I sort of, sort of have a gym in my garage with all the stuff and the squat rack and the yeah. barbell and everything like that, and assault bike and stuff. So during this pandemic, I've really tried to i've been very lucky yeah. one of those people so even though um crossfit has cost me quite a lot of money investment thank you because it's been one of the best things like ever it's, people people that don't people that think crossfit is like the difference between crossfit and the gym is that crossfit is just fun that's the only way to look at it it's so just fun. fun there's a yeah. reason there's more than just an, an, an aesthetic reason to go back yeah i think that's the difference is that like you go to the gym makes you look cool uh doesn't but you know, at the end of the day, you want to go back because it makes you like look cool, um, and obviously it makes you feel better as well. But with CrossFit, it's, there's this community aspect of it that makes you want to go back because you created a sort of friendship circle there. And there's, there's that, but it's just fun to train, and also there's no mirrors in CrossFit. People forget that, so it's yeah. not like you go there and you like 
you, you spend time looking at yourself in the mirror, which you do in the gym. Like even if totally. you've done CrossFit, you go to the gym and you're like, you start so much time. Yeah. And it, what I love about it is it's so inclusive. It's like, it, it, it like everyone's good at something. Yeah. Ev- and everyone, and people will think that I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. Yeah. Everyone is good at something. You can have someone who comes in who weighs 150 kilos yeah. and they will be able to lift so much more than me. Yeah. And I'll be jealous of that person for being able to lift that much. Yeah. Whereas you get somebody super skinny, you'll be able to run a five minute mile. Yeah. And I'm jealous of that person for that. Yeah. And so, and then, There's you know, a balance and about, everyone's good at something and, it, and you can see it in people. It gives yeah. people a confidence who you realize that they just haven't had a confidence in any other scenario yeah. fitness wise. Yeah. You know, they'd be embarrassed to sort of walk into a gym because you yeah. feel sort of scared that everyone's looking at you. Yeah. Because you have to look a certain way in these in these environments. And it's like it's so inclusive and so friendly. I've been all around the world. I've done like this travel show where I went all around the world and did and at pretty much every place I went, I would go to a CrossFit box before yeah. we started filming. Yeah. And they just like go, Hey, how's it going? Come on in. Yeah. Let's do this. Do you want to work out together? Great. Let's do what you know, like yeah. it's so nice, it's friendly. It's like a universal language that, you know, yeah. I'd be doing like classes in Spanish where in Ibiza before the jungle, like they just did the whole class in Spanish. I, did, I didn't understand Spanish, but I understand the language of that's the, written on the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I can sort of keep up with them and do it. It's, um, it gives you fun things to reach for. It's it like is. Fun goals. Instead of being like, I want a bigger chest. It gives you yeah. like, oh, I want to be able to do a like, kipping ring muscle up. Or, yeah, you know, which no one will understand. Which no one will understand. But, um, but it's, uh, yeah, no, it's like, it's like mini goals. If you have lots and lots of mini goals, you always like feel good. And with CrossFit, because there's so many movements, like hundreds and yeah. hundreds of movements, you always get better at something. So, and when you start off, you get better at everything. So like every day you're, you're like, oh my God, I'm so much better than I was last yeah. time. And it goes on and on. And then you get addicted to that. And then you start trying to snatch. Oh, and then you're like this is just the worst thing in the world i'm never gonna get good at this it's so hard. and then you get an extra two kilos on and you're like you feel great for a week and right. but with the gym it's like i don't know it's just so boring it's less but, of a tangible goal isn't it yeah 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 it's just um yeah if you could bottle that that thing that they've got i mean it's so interesting it's just i fun. mean if you five years down the line you would have bought crossfit two weeks ago oh dude i was thinking i was like how do i how mate, do I do it? you're a billionaire. Oh, mate. I don't know how... What that do guy I do? seems like such a good guy. <laughs> this, if you don't know, if someone's just bought CrossFit, he seems like a good guy. I don't know if it's a, one person that's bought it. I think it might be consortium. Really? Yeah, I don't know exactly what the deal was. Like but there's a new CEO, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, but no, it's incredible. Dude, when you got here, what was the first thing I asked you? What's your snatch? Because <laughs> you, you got, got a, in, a wrist, a wrist got injury. A wrist injury. I'm, I'm trying... In a month's time, I want to deadlift 200 kilos. That's my exciting thing. Mine's 150. I haven't done it for a while. I had a slip disc in my back. I could uh, go on about it, but really, you know, yeah. I've got lots bad. of goals. I want it. After coming out of lockdown, there's loads of things I want to retest, but my wrist is fucking... Also, crazy. people go, oh, CrossFit, lots of injuries, and you've got an injury. Mm-hmm. The difference is, I think, right, being around it for a couple of years now, is that, you know, when you're young and you grow mm. and you feel pain because your body's growing. With CrossFit, because you're always growing, right, you feel like you're in pain. So you're like, oh, I've got a pain here or this is like, feels like stiff. But it's because you're, you're working out your entire body all the time. You're constantly growing. Like my legs and my butt have grown, yeah. right? So I, uh, this is going to be weird. But I look like I've got a younger butt because I didn't have that muscle there. So yeah. it's like, boom, like that. Yeah, totally. And I'm like, 
it, it looks like I've got a butt from being 20 again because <laughs> like, I didn't have that muscle, right? So, but it, do you know what I mean? If it yeah. goes down, I'm in trouble. But it's, um, <laughs> it's so interesting, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it's completely, completely different. Yeah. It's so, I'm so fascinated. I'm so fascinated by it. Well, look, when you, um, I mean, you say you've got a snatch, uh, wrist injury through snatch. I mean, I believe you, but most won't. But, definitely um, won't, can you? The, um, <laughs> It's like if people say that you, you have two wrist injuries. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I do it with the left. It feels like someone else is doing it. The, um, Put nail, nail varnish on. I yeah. think people get injuries it's because you do it a lot. Yeah. You do any sport four days a week yeah. to that intensity. Like running injuries. People, if you yeah. run five days a week, you're going to injure. I haven't had an injury for probably a couple of years in CrossFit, yeah. which has been great. Yeah. But like if I was running it five days a week, then I would have had an injury almost certainly yeah so it's like it's like any other sport yeah like you just you don't necessarily hurt yourself when you go to the gym people that's what people are comparing it to because they're not pushing they're themselves. not pushing themselves no no exactly that's what i think well look mic drop out <laughs> push yourself <laughs> um don't get an amg don't get an amg well, i do, do actually i really enjoyed it that's that's bad. um well um I hope people so, haven't don't hate. I'm sorry if I've come across like a dick. Yeah, absolutely haven't, mate. I hope, absolutely haven't. You know, I've I bought a nice car because you, uh, because it's my fault. It's your I'll take fault. the blame. And it's uh, you know, it's, it's 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 just it's. You deserve it. You work hard. It's a nice I car. I work hard. I'd basically I buy it because then I would look outside my house and I'm like, oh shit, I better, better do some work. Yeah, because my car's on the drive. And I'm like, I've got to fucking pay that. <laughs> got pay for that fucking thing got a wife now that's why i got that's you know you've got to do you look outside your house and you've got to see something that physically you have to pay for yeah i think that's important yeah and that's why i do with that totally makes sense um well look when your wrist is better come to crossfit shortage yeah i can still do certain things but um yeah yeah, but it's it's not just annoying barbell stuff but i can still front squat i can still like back squat and deadlift and yeah, um, I can actually still row, but if I hold the rower on the end, it's really, at the top. that's bad. Oh my god! It's just like annoying, and so it's like hurts when I rotate like that. Ah, uh, so annoying. You probably know a lot about these injuries, wrist injuries being a skateboarder. Yeah. Um, well, when you get better, let's train you. Let's do it. All right. Thanks for coming. Peace. Oh my back! I'm injured. Oh. I got injured. <laughs>